Welcome to Changing the Channel with Joe Garner, a show about shifting our individual and collective beliefs on what is possible for the future of humanity. As our understanding of how our reality continues to shift, we are at a point of reunification between science and spirituality. What does the world look like when we break free from the generational trauma that has kept most humans playing small for thousands of years and step into our full power as the co-creators of this reality? I always ask that you keep an open mind with this podcast. Ask yourself what resonates with my truth at this time and what does not. Respect your intuition, but see if you can get through the whole show because there might be that little nugget buried deep in the conversation that unlocks something for you. Welcome everyone back to Changing the Channel. I am joined by Tom Myers. He is an osteopath, body-centered stress, stress coach, well-being futurist, space enthusiast, TEDx organizer, and author of Futurize Yourself and the Future's Effect. Tom's mission is to empower you to, to flourish and thrive in the body, the mind, the spirit, in this fast-changing, uncertain, and challenging world. So welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really excited to uh, see where our conversations leads to. Yes, I am as well. I woke up this morning excited for this conversation. So let's just get a little bit of background on you. Where, what was the journey like from osteopathy to writing books about how to futurize yourself? Well, and I, not to forget the step before, I was actually trained as a chef a uh, long, long time ago and worked for years into catering as a waiter and a sommelier, even on cruise ships. Uh, and um, mm -hmm. when I came back to Belgium after eight years of uh, meandering around the world, uh, discovering different places and working different places, I, a friend of mine suggested to open a delicatessen shop, you know, selling charcuterie, cheese, wine. And I thought it was like a gift from the, from the gods. That's it from, hey, Tom, you know, this is your car. This is your future. Your friend has a lot of success. Um, and I saw his beautiful car, his beautiful wife, his beautiful house, the kid, the society. And I said, yes, you know, after everything I've done, I had nothing to show, but this was going to bring me into the level that I wanted and aspired to. But two months after opening the shop, I came down with a suicidal depression. I was not in my element at all, but the question was, you know, what was my element? I had never really asked that question. I just went from life, you know, from one opportunity to the other, never really questioning where I was going never really questioning if it was good for me or not. And so I hit really rock bottom. Uh, my shop was not working. I was not working. And luckily, um, you know, the pharmacist that a few doors down that I had befriended that uh, uh, came in one day and said, from here, Tom, here is a phone number and a name. Call her. She will help you. And I was like, I don't need help, you know, help that's for losers, say that's for, that's for people that are, you know, that, that are sick here. And like my mother has always been a very ill person with a lot of need of psychiatry and psychology and being interned for quite a few months sometimes at the time. And I couldn't, you know, I did not see myself as her, you know, needing that kind of help. Uh, but it seems that she's up to you. 
And two months later, I was sitting behind the desk of a psycho-astral counselor. So somebody uh, um, who now I would more consider as a life coach. But, you know, we have to remember this was 23 years ago. So the year was 2000. Coaching was not in. No, you know, nobody did that. Nobody had even heard of it. It was only psychology or psychiatry. And thanks to this encounter, I was able to get out of my, I am good for nothing and I will always be good for nothing. I failed with my shop. So I've proven to the people that said I was good for nothing that it was true. Um, but she helped me to shift my perspective on my past and that my past did not have to be my future. And she helped me also to, uh, with her questioning and homework, to find what was my real potential that I had been born with. And at 29, started to protest and say, well, I want to be heard. I want to be developed. And to give that potential a future. So I was selling charcuterie and cheese. I was trained as a chef. And in me, there was a therapist, communicator, a teacher, a researcher, and a traveler that wanted to manifest. So what was I doing in my shop? I had literally imprisoned myself between four walls while my spirit needed freedom. And so once I discovered that about me, she asked, okay, now Tom, I want you to design an ideal day in 10 years' time. You say, I wake up and. And so when I went home with that question and say, wow, you know, this, this realization that this therapist in me, what am I doing? Wouldn't it life make more sense if I put my potential into an ongoing reality? And so I started to write a story to, to imagine or envision, envision what my combined potential could become. And that became, I'm a therapist who has developed his own approach, who has written a book about it and is asked around the world to give presentations and workshops. So this was my five, you know, base archetypal potential within a future that I thought from, okay, if I realize that, I probably will feel what I want to feel, to be more content, fulfilled and healthy, and also fulfill the aspirations of, you know, having a good future of evolve as a person, which was, I was not feeling that. And I thought I would never get that. And slowly but surely, this is how I then went into therapy, manual therapy specifically, and eventually, you know, wanting to know more and something more academic entered into um, osteopathy because that was the choice that I felt most connected with and had already been treated by in the in the previous life, uh, in, no, in, in my previous life, I mean before 30. Uh, and the other option was, uh, Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, but I had never really, I didn't even know what that really was about. I had some ideas, but I didn't feel the connection with osteopathy. I had already the connection. And so that's how I 
you know, um, in a, a very brief uh, way saying from how I transformed. And so, and I love it. So you change your perspective is, and change your life is, is one of, is your quote, right? And mine is, so mm-hmm. change your story. So I changed my story and changed my future. I change your future. It's, it, it's, you know, I love this resemblance between our two, um, you know, statements that we have for ourselves. So, uh, it is. Yeah. It's a, it feels like a very, um, congruent idea between the two of our, uh, perspectives basically Indeed. so finally a place for listeners to gather and share join the ascension update Substack for messages and updates from our brothers and sisters helping with the ascension articles on the future of humanity and a Q&A where you can ask my guides anything you would like this is the hub for everything ascension related click the link in the show notes or go to joegarner.substack.com to stay at the leading edge of this movement. And now, back to the show. Tell us a little bit more about what the future effect is. Well, most of the people are very afraid of the future. And, you know, when they look at the future, they don't know what they're going to get. And they, they, they still are a bit stuck with this. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get uh, or that change is the only constant and and that's of course all not true uh, life is not like a box of chocolates you never know what you're going to get it's not a tabula rasa it's not a, a clean slate we can already predict certain futures and scenario of the future and of course by projecting and, and be a little bit more into foresight okay, so Imagining what one wants and bringing it into the present okay? changes your aim, changes the direction. Or because, of course, the future is made by your decisions, choices, and actions, right? That influences the future. So, right. are we doing things at random? Then, of course, we need to uh, also uh, deal with the consequences of that. Or are we? choosing a direction instead of being pushed into one. This is the future's effect. It's the future's effect is the benefits you get by creating a future. So that means giving yourself a direction on purpose. And on purpose, if you can do it based on your potential and what I call the DNA of your future, DNA of your future is a structure, does not alter. Find that what does not change in your life, what do you want to feel, your aspirations, your potential, then to envisage the future and let yourself be pulled forward by it. Instead of that copy-pasting the past and being too much influenced by the limitations of our past. In a fast-changing world, the past is a good teacher, it's lessons, yes. But 10 years, even let's say a year ago, generative AI didn't, you know, did not exist in our lives. And this year, boom, it's there and it's influencing us. So we don't have any, if we're going to still base our, our lives on the past, then, then of course we're, we're not going to follow. Yeah? And so, right. It's also about 
giving you the authority to dream, but dream on purpose. So basing your dream on what can be dreamt into reality. It doesn't mean that you cannot dream big or that you cannot dream uh, certain things that seem impossible. You know, to be honest, from selling charcuterie and cheese to imagining to be a global therapist and a uh, thought leader, uh, that, was a, that was a dream that I said, from, okay, you know, I might have the potential, but no, never. But it was in my potential, so I could dream it. I could conjure it up and just do my best to bring it into reality. And there you go. It all happened. Everything I said 23 years ago has been materialized, realized, and is today my ongoing reality. Because I gave my life a future. I gave my life the, the, the aim that I needed so that I got less distracted and always had a structure to fall back upon when it became challenging. Do you have any tips or tricks on finding that purpose in your life? Finding, like, how does somebody take the what they're good at right now and find a purpose and, and figure out what future they need to be envisioning? Okay, you can... I would say not finding your purpose, but I say give your life a purpose based on your potential. And so it's the sum of your potentials. So the best way to do it is to, and for people like me who are very logical, Cartesian, grounded, who need structure, or love that. Um, so DNA for your future is, first of all, ask yourself, what do you want to feel? You know, what do you want to feel in your life? And that is constant. Happiness, I won't feel happy. It's an emotion that's very short-lived most of the time. But, you know, it can be I have a bad day, but I can still be content. So the constants, that one does not alter with time, age, situations. Then the other one is what is your aspirations? Why do you do what you do? What do you really want from life? We don't ask ourselves that question anymore. We just live, and, and most of the time is survive. We're not really living anymore. We're just surviving. And we do all these things, and we have forgotten what, why we do that. What do we want to feel inside? What do we want to achieve? So find these things about you that drives you, that motivates you. And then, of course, then find that what can make it into reality, your potential. And I found my potential through three questions that I was given. And the first one was, and it might be strange, but I was asked to describe what I admired in my friends. So I was talking about my friends as oh, they're so good in this and I'm useless and they're doing this and oh, wow, this is so amazing that they, they're so great and I, you know, I, nothing. And so she described, in what are they better talk? Describe. So I created a story around, you know, what I saw in there, what I admired. And the second question was, why do your friends come to you, Tom, and not to your friends? 
not to others? Why do they specifically come to seek you, your help with, and not others? So in a way, what do they admire in you? You might not see that as an admiration, but, uh, or you might see that as something really normal, but there is something that you attract, the attractive factor. Then the third one was, what have you done that where you said, wow, I wish I could do this for the rest of my life. Like the moments where time stood still or you were in that flow. And in each story that you write down, you need to see the essence, what I call the archetype. So my friends were great communicators. They could talk about anything and everything. They seem to be walking dictionaries and they always had the best jokes while I come up with maybe an answer five days later or something like that. And so communication was what I looked up to, their skills in communication. And what people came to me for, which I thought was a bad thing, was that people always told me about their problems. I was the, you could say I was sort of psychologist for my mom when I was 14 years old. And, but even in the shop, when I was selling chocolate and cheese, people opened up to me. I didn't ask for it. They just did it by just naturally. And then when I was looking at that, it was like very recurrent that people were doing that automatically without being at me, being asked for me, tell me about it. And the third one was like, you know, the traveling that I had done, but also I had created a course on wine appreciation and just the research of that, you know, the intent to bring it into um, a course for, for people that didn't know it. So the teaching. So this is how communication emerged, how therapists emerged, how research, travel, and, and um, teaching were so apparent from my story. And those things you need to filter out your story. Okay? So is that changing that perspective of the story from what comes out? Okay? Because I thought as a therapist, you know, people came to talk about their problems, but I thought that was, a, that was bad. You know, go to talk and you can deposit all your problems there. So mm -hmm. I thought I was like the bin for problems. People just load it off and... You know, I didn't see anything positive about that. I was like a mug. And then she said, but look at, yeah, change your perspective. Look at it this way, Tom. People naturally trust you. People naturally find confidence. It's a strength. It's what you exude. <laughs> it's within you. And this is how that DNA of mine got created. And how I would advise people just to take it on and say, well, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll give this a try. What does not alter? So because your potential today, my potential as a therapist is expressed as being an osteopath and a body center stress coach, but I will always be a therapist. So when I'm 80 in a retirement home, I will be listening again to the nurses, to my you know, fellow residents, and I be my therapist but it will be expressed in a different way. And, 
I yeah. asked my patients here as well, 80, 90, do you want to be content with food and healthy? Of course. Do you have aspirations? Of course. It does not alter. And so that's the first basis. And from then you can project, what can this become? How would I like to fulfill this? So that I wake up one day and I feel content, fulfilled and healthy. And I realize my aspirations and that you're in it. This is, this is my advice. Yeah, this, this is, this is powerful stuff. So it, it, it very much, uh, aligns with a lot of the spiritual coaches that I've had on, uh, aiming for thriving in your life and figuring out what that thriving looks like and then creating it, then, then willing it into existence because that's what the power of humans are able to do. We can take ideas and bring them into material reality, into existence, into this physical existence. And that that's a very strong suit for humans. And I think having, again, I'm very, you know, Cartesian as well, very in the left brain, you know, there has to be kind of structure around how things operate. And in that structure, I get lost when I go into trying to think about what the future looks like a little bit and and having a structure around that. And that's what my coach has been doing for me, uh, has been putting a structure around, okay, here's what the future can look like. Here's your strengths. Here's here's what you're on earth to do. And then ex getting an executable plan so that we can envision this future and allow it to materialize into my life and Again, it's designed around me being joyful, peaceful, and happy, not necessarily uh, me changing the world or, or making the biggest impact that I possibly can. It's, okay, what would, what would fulfill me in this lifetime for, for this go around on this planet? Yeah. And, and it's about giving. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's not about finding your purpose, but giving your life a purpose. And, and to, by doing that and then bringing it into an ongoing reality, um, I say to flourish and thrive. Flourishing is you as a person. Okay? So it's an in inner experience that also goes outside with others. And thriving is more the economic part as well. Okay? So in the society that you uh, have the life that you wish yourself to be, sales, loved, and, you know, economically viable. So flourishing is from within. It's a feeling, it's a sense of inner development. Thriving is, you know, really more the economic societal aspect of evolution yeah. and of conscious evolution is of course that we, we must do this unconsciously because our body's ancient programming is too slow to follow the rate of change that our culture is currently undergoing. So let's talk a little bit more about that idea, because I think that's a fascinating one. So the speed at which culture, the speed at which technology, the speed at which society is evolving is, seems to be on an exponential path. Like you said, a year ago, we didn't have generative AI. Now we do. It's changing how we're doing things. So how can 
we keep up biologically with the change of society uh, at, at this exponential rate. Yeah, so there is a conflict between what I call biology and culture. Biology is too slow. And as you say, it's not seemingly, it is an exponential change that we are going through with some of the futurists saying that in the next 10 years, we will have more change than the last 300 years. So of course, you know, we intergenerational change, our, our, our DNA or our evolution is not made for that. And so my question was, uh, you know, about thinking about this and how can we then help, can we help evolution or our automatic autonomous evolution to, um, to evolve so that it can be better and more resilient with the, the outside world, with the culture. And it's yes. And the example that I would like to give is that digestion is auto autonomous, but you need to eat and drink. Okay, so there is a part autonomous and there is a part you need to do. And I think this is exactly the same thing what we need to do. You know, we need to start taking our lives into a certain direction and then helping our evolution, and, you know, giving it a helping hand, so to speak. And we can do that because when you have genetics, you also have epigenetics and the epigenetic rule says behavior and environment stimulates and changes the expression of our DNA. So. By, this, by the same rule, by changing our behavior, changing perspective, changing our, um, our environment, we can influence how we evolve. And so, again, why this futurizing yourself and this DNA of your future and the direction and the giving yourself a purposeful direction is so helpful because it will eliminate the noise, gives you more direct, you know, a little bit more focus that will help you to, uh, have more resources available. You know, when you're in your element, your resources are broader and wider and more potent than when you're doing something that is out of your element, right? So, and this is how we are going to help ourselves to evolve. And probably also, if you start looking at the scenarios of the future, or this is going to happen or that, uh, how is this going to affect my job? And so, for example, replaced by robot.info, I think it is, you can look up if your job is going to be automated or not. And then when you see it's more than 50%, then I would start thinking about, can I learn? So when that happens, that I'm ready for the next thing, for another job or to upskill or reskill, depending on what your, what your field is. And I'm sure when you do that, that before you even, your job is lost, you're already into the new job. Mm -hmm. And that new job, yes, it probably, um, yeah, many people love their jobs and it's going to disappear and I'm so sad and, oh, I wish I could do this forever. Yeah, but just look at 
what are the elements in that job that you like so much or that you really feel in your element? And those you need to extrapolate to the future, to the, the new environment, to the new needs, because there is always room for the potential that you're expressing, that you have and that you're expressing. So it's about, yeah, in that way, you will evolve. Powerful. That you that way you you will the grass will be greener on the other side because because you're taking it from from a from your own level of of potential and just evolving it to the its next next level of and and need for society. It's another way of yeah. Thinking. It's almost like you're 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 taking the best aspects of what you enjoy in your job today and then maybe adding one or two more of the even better aspects maybe it's a little bit less work than you were than you had to do but you still have the same interaction that you have with people the same communication that you get to share the same sh uh, sharing of ideas that you that you're familiar with in that work and that that is going to be very helpful uh, on your evolution I think the whole reason that we've come here on this planet at this time is because of this exponential growth that we're about to experience. There's an idea that each individual incarnates at different times in different places on different planets because they have there's particular lessons to learn. And it seems like this particular mm -hmm. lesson is how do you evolve with a society that is exponentially changing and that's the lesson uh, it, not that we're all here to learn the same lesson but a, a very broad idea is that we're all here to understand what it's like to go through this exponential shift in a society and again my from my perspective that shift is both in a, on a technological on a philosophical and on a spiritual aspect we're we're evolving and we have to in order to keep up with the technology and the shifting society, we also have to continue to evolve on a spiritual level. And, and yes. that spiritual level just means understanding the interconnectedness of all of us, understanding that we're all energy experiencing a separation because that, that's how we learn. But fundamentally, at the lowest level of existence, we are all just energy that can be tied back to the same source, the same God, the same universe as everyone else. So that's, I think yeah. there's kind of, does it feel like there's, there's multiple, and you talk about mind, body, and spirit evolution. Like, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, let's, let, allow me. okay. The inspiration that comes from, from what you're saying and, and by body, mind, spirit, but, um, Recent thoughts that I had after the publishing of my latest book and, and people said, from why is transcendence so short in, you know, compared to all the other chapters? And I didn't have an answer, but I know now that, that, that that's the next book. Basically, <laughs> I need to write a book about it because I was mm -hmm. thinking, okay, with transcendence. Yeah, so, uh, it's one of my aspirations, right? Transcendence meaning at the end of my life. I want to say and look back and say, okay, you did a good job. You had failures. And at the end of the day, you know, you tried, you did your best and you made a difference for this, in this lifetime for people, for yourself, for people, 
and for the next generation, right? So the next generation, and it's very important that today we think about the next generation, the children. You know, I don't have children, but some people's children and children's children. Okay, and I was thinking, because I don't have children myself, but what if reincarnation is true? I teach in India, right? And some of my students, they believe in reincarnation. Reincarnation in another plane or reincarnation in this plane. And so if reincarnation in this plane is true, then the future is my future and I'm the next generation, right? So I will, how would I want that future to look like to, to continue thriving and flourishing? So I have all interest to, to say my decisions, choices, and actions today to make sure that my, you know, when I get born back, that that is one I will continue to evolve, right? This is just a, 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 a way of thinking. I don't know if it's true or not true, but it's interesting to think about it. Yeah? Because if it's true, then of course that makes it be different. And the next level of thinking about that is what if Atlantis, so the image I have of Atlantis is uh, evolved society and technological advance. So that ideal combination of spiritually being, body-mind spirit being evolved to a level and technology being evolved to a level as well. And both of us, you know, living that kind of harmonious life. Right. So what if Atlantis was not our past, but our potential human future? Hmm. So in genetics, Okay, so when a sperm cell and egg cell comes together of a human, it doesn't become a chicken. It becomes a human. So there is pre-potential of what it will become. Dependent on environment and behavior, it forms in a certain person. Now, what if like the next level is it so that it is that idea or that image that I can conjure up of a person living in Atlantis? You see what I'm getting to. So this, this, this is, this is not just, uh, you know, reasoning without without any proof, right? But it is reasoned, logical, and also it just extrapolating the micro and the macro world, or the micro time and the macro time. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm seeing that we have already the potential for. Um, more intuition, uh, perception for, you know, astral uh, traveling. Some people can do that. Also, uh, tele- telekinesis, telecommunication, you know, telepathy. So in some people, these parts are, are there. And I suppose it's in all of us. But potential means can be developed over time. And it... it- seems like it would have to be in all of us if we are all humans we all share 99.9 percent of the same dna like that those potentialities have to exist in us and it's incredible to see some of the work in in the u.s uh i'm familiar with so there's a group called ions that is uh specifically studying the science of channeling of meditation and of altered states of uh of mind altered states of of consciousness and they you know it, it's a very scientific base they they have they are only using 
doctorate, PhD researchers that are researching these ideas. And, and the findings are remarkable. The, the fact that many, many thousands of humans are able to, like you said, they're able to astral travel, they're able to uh, channel information, they're able to connect with people thousands of miles away and be able to describe the scene that they're seeing directly. Uh, and, and it's not perfect. And we're obviously in our infancy of this ability, but it is, it's an evolution. And from what some people say about their children, the kids that are coming in today have this ability even stronger than anyone in my generation and your generation. Yes. The, the next generation yes. has these abilities even stronger. And that's a, a very interesting thought that we need to start kind of, I think, working into how we're building society, right? And maybe that's what, what people are doing at the at the very highest levels and it it doesn't make sense for people who don't who aren't experiencing that reality so there's kind of this bifurcation of consciousness on the planet you've got people who believe that that these new abilities are a potential for humanity and then there's the people that don't necessarily believe that and we're kind of bifurcating our what we believe the future to be so it's an interesting time for sure for humanity. Yeah, the humanist or the transhumanist uh, split. And so, because I, I believe profoundly that once you start putting technology in the body that is executive, then that weakens your DNA, right? That's just obvious. And that is going to go to right. a next generation. Uh, so that is impoverishing future generations and not maybe the next one. But two, three generations later, they will suffer from that if you start tampering with, uh, with, uh, let's say, taking away potential from our from our from our DNA, rather than to develop it to its next level of expression. Right, and it's it, it maybe maybe it's not even taking it away; it's just altering it. And through epigenetics, the more that you alter the environment, the more your DNA is going to react. And, and it does yes. seem that the more that we input technology into our physical existence. And, and I think there's also an idea that the, the natural ability of the body to maintain itself is, is, guided by some type of intelligence, whether that's consciousness or uh, just mm -hmm. the information that's inside the DNA that, that has, again, our DNA is an, has an evolutionary track all the way back to, at least on this planet, back to the first um, zygote that, that, that was, came about into existence. So it has an intelligence of a few billion years that a, a technology doesn't have access to, right? A non-natural technology doesn't necessarily have access to the intelligence of all of the evolutionary intelligence that's inside of our body. And the more that you get rid of that natural intelligence, consciousness, 
the evolution. Some people like to consider it God, but we're made in the image of God, right? So, you know, God was designing us, but regardless of what you're calling it, fundamentally, both in science and in, in spirituality, there is a, there is an intelligence that is guiding evolution, that is guiding our body, our physical existence, and the evolution of both physical and non-physical parts of our body. And yeah, I think it seems like the more that you remove that intelligence, which is putting just non-intelligent things in there, and, and you can, intelligence is such a broad term, but uh, an intelligence that isn't tapped into that fundamental intelligence of the universe, of God, of uh, consciousness, the less likely you're going to have a positive outcome, right? And it's that intelligence, you know, you look with that intelligence that keeps all the, the society of cells together and working together. When you're dead, that is gone. And that society of mm -hmm. cells disintegrates, right? So there must be something that keeps it all together and into a functioning order. And so, yes, I follow you completely on that one. So, uh, and whatever you want to call it, it depends on. Yeah, it, there's no, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to conceptualize it, but the only, from my perspective, the only way that, that makes it less likely to be a positive outcome in the future is to just completely ignore that intelligence. So whether you're ignoring consciousness or some type of God or the universe, the intelligence of the universe, the intelligence of evolution if you just choose to completely ignore that and and think that your your thinking mind is going to be able to smart the intelligence of the universe that is where we start to kind of fall apart as a a species or a group or as a society indeed yeah i think we so i think we as we said uh, you know we need that evolution of that global consciousness and awareness of, you know, of our, of our potential, of our, you know, that what we initiate and I, it's initiation because it's like, I can sit in a chair and do nothing. And then of course, you know, I fall to pieces, right? I will, you know, eventually perish, but it's by initiation, facilitating and by giving that a direction, of course, that, that is just then realizing ourselves. And by doing so by ourselves is also our environment, the people around us, because we are not alone here. Right? We've seen with COVID-19, you know, how decisions, choices, and actions of people has affected the world, right? And so how that has influenced everybody. And so through the chain of, of decisions, choices, and actions, our personal investment, you know, things, you know, our lives are not, are our own maybe, but our influence go way beyond um, ourselves, our short environment, but quickly go around the world. And I see that in my practice as an osteopath, it's very clear. I treat somebody, you know, who has a partner, 
she, you know, he or she was not feeling very well, emotional, depressive, pain. She has a partner or he has a partner that is then feeling, uh, you know, not so well because of the concerns. And then when you lift that, when you shift the, the body into the mode of healing and happiness and again, radiance, then the partner has, the, you know, kind of, again, feels better and then this partner gives a call to Australia or New Zealand or South Africa or America. And then the, the effect of that voice and of the interaction of that person that feels less stressed and feels less worried about his partner suddenly changes the conversation, the intention and the, you know, the, the, the vibration in his voice and that affects somebody in the all around the world. And it goes on and on and on. And so, oh, you know, I, I see that in my, in my field of work, so obvious how fast I am around the world by just one treating one person at a time. So, uh, yeah, yeah we are exactly. all connected. <laughs> I, we are, we are all connected. That is 100% true. So I have one thought experiment for you. This was, I was meditating this morning. As we become a global society, as we're moving towards this global society, there's a push for individualism. There's a push for, you know, basically one idea, one confounding idea. And this is what's happened over all of history. There's always been, you've had a whole bunch of individuals that make up a country or a whole bunch of individuals that make up a, um, a kingdom. And they're united by the idea of that kingdom, that country. Now we're moving towards this global society. Do you see an imperative need for a global idea of, of who we are fundamentally? Like that, that human is a part of this global civilization, not in a, in a top-down authoritarian you are all this thing, but we're all individuals. We're all pursuing our, our happiness, our peace, our joy in whatever fashion we're able to do that. But we also have this purview of, well, I'm a global citizen. I'm a part of something much, much larger than me. And if we do need that, do you have any idea of how we move our society towards that? Well, I, I believe there is a word for it and it's called holo. We are holo right. or holacracy. And that means we are as much a part as the whole. And I think we just should be more aware of that, of that reality that we are a part and a whole at the same time. And in many ways, as you said in the introduction, I'm a space enthusiast and the more people that will have a view of the world because you say global and I say, you know, but we are going to be uh, a species that is going to travel to other worlds very soon. So it's the, the world uh, is not the oyster anymore, you know, we are, you know, and the sky is not the limit anymore. And so we go beyond that. We are already beyond that. Some people are living above, right? And so when we're starting to look at the world from that kind of overview perspective, then of course we will see how this whole on, how we are the whole on. And so the more people that are going to bring this experience down, 
the more that we are also going to take more into account that we are a whole on part and whole. The only, the only uh, reflection I have and concern is that the more stress we get, the more we become focused on me, the individual, away from the whole. The more we become selfish, our time perception changes, our rationality changes, our behavior changes to the protection of me. So at the same time that we are bringing awareness, we also need, and we need that kind of personal evolution and increase to, to also opt our resilience because the path towards stress. So the conflict between biology and culture, the expression of that is stress. So the more that we can start dealing with the underlying stress mode and getting it back into ease mode. So the ease mode is the, the adaptation mode between stress and relaxation, the mode where you are, you are in health and able to rebound and so forth. Only in this, in this modus will we be able to, to evolve and also to be far more holistic and uh, accept the ideas of holonic evolution. And this is, so this is the part that I'm also conscious about, is that we not only should work on our mind and spirit, but we should also work on the body and the mind. Okay, so through the body, having an influence on the mind. I see that in my practice every day. Uh, I do body work and I'm changing behavior, mindset, and you know, the, the completely different way of functioning on a behavioral level without doing the talk, right? It's, I change the body, I help it to be back into ease and suddenly they can think better, they have better ideas, they can make better choices while before everything was, you know, like, you know, the, the brain fog. And so we, we combine body, mind, and spirit. So body work to involve the mind and mind and spirit work by the, the evolopsis idea is the process of evolving on purpose. And when you say body work, do you mean healthy eating, uh, no. removing alcohol? No. What, what do you mean by body work? I mean, I'm an osteopath, so I treat the body, right? I'm a manual therapist, so I touch the body. And because by touch, so, so many people's problems today, they're not because they worked very physically. It's not because they had a traumatic physical experience. It's most of the time because of inactivity and of stress and mountain psychosocial stress, right? So first, that muscular pain or many of the, the problems of today in, in, in the physical problems of healthcare are related to what is called stress-related dysautonomia, that disbalance of the autonomic nervous system that influences about everything. Um, ME, long COVID, it's all related to it. And so it's about 
touching the body therapeutically. So in a way that I've developed in, and put into the reset approach and the reset, so return to ease approach is to say to the body, you're okay, you're safe. And so through touching through certain, um, touching certain aspects of the, 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 of the head is to give a signal to the body that it can go back to ease, that there, there is no saber tooth tiger that is going to, eh, to, um, to chase them. And so, hmm. you know, and it's very logical. The head is a very important part. When you forget the name in a stressful situation, you do, okay, oh, what was it again? Uh, tension, stress, you touch, oh, gosh, you know, tension, stress. You've done something and after you say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then you touch here. Why? Why do you touch these parts? Well, it's very logical if you go to the neurobiology and, you know, the, the explanation of what touch can do and offers the body. And then we got COVID and then touching each other was forbidden. It became a danger. And, you know, and, and, and suddenly all the things that were still keeping us a little bit in balance and in ease suddenly got wiped off the table and made into a stressor themselves. And people are still suffering from that today. So I think from bringing back, you know, the safe touch. And I know it's sometimes a taboo touch, you know, because there is also the sexual connotations and many, many things, but we need to bring it back. And it's actually, okay, again, to space. I actually um, soon will be talking to um, ESA and NASA uh, people. I hope um, you know about this concept of you know sort of, uh, the reset approach and the touch that it can engender for space tourists and for astronauts to help them cope better with stress without payload. So it's for free. Right? It doesn't. You they right. don't need to pay thousands of dollars for a tool. No, when. It's only the person that does it on each other and do it in a professional way. Anyway, I, you know, my brain goes in That's every single direction, right? <laughs> but it is, I love that. It is, I feel like we could. It is from, it's from within me. It's like, I'm so, wow, look at this. You can do this. Oh, and for that, it could be as well useful. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Last question for you. Do you have, uh, what are your daily practices to, to stay in ease, to stay in this state that you have found? I don't. <laughs> no, no daily practices, no meditation, no nothing. Yeah. That's fascinating. You're just, you're just living your life every single day in, in that high vibe. Uh, no, not every day. Not it. every day. Not every day. You know, I, I get downs as well. But my life is, mm. is, my life is the meditation. My life is the, you know, is constructed in a way that I do what I love doing. Mm. And, and, and yes, I could do with a little bit more physical exercise because, you know, I'm 53, right? You know, after 50, you know, the body starts to react differently. It starts to recuperate less. And I did a little bit more of cardio and I did do a little bit more of muscular. So I bought myself a bar that I now and then do. But I don't have this kind of set rule or something that I do regularly. I, I, I don't function like that. I get bored easily, so I need variety. And so I'm always discovering new things that I can do to just help me. 
I suppose the yeah, only thing that really matters is that I, you know, I live five kilometers from here and I come by my bike, right? So at least that I have some kind of transport. I don't like sport, but I do transport. Okay? So that gives me kind of still some exercise, you know, 30 minutes a day maximum. So, so that's probably the yeah, only thing that I really you know, do. I think 30 minutes is, has been pretty much proven the amount of exercise that you need each day. There's uh, Tim Ferriss has 30, 30, 30. So essentially within 30 minutes of waking up, you eat 30 grams of protein and you get 30 minutes of exercise every single day. And that's all you have to do to keep the body fairly well regulated from disease, from anxiety, from yeah. uh, anything that would negatively affect the body like that. But it's, so spontaneously, it's I'm doing thing. well. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I don't right. think about it. You know, it's like it just this is this is part of life, of just my is. life. Yeah, it just it just is. Yeah. Well, I hope we can all aspire to design and build a life as aligned as yours. So I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Tom, and sharing your wisdom and everything that you're sharing with the world. For those who are looking to read your book or get in touch with you, what's the best way to connect with you um, in those manner? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn or www.futurizeyourselves.com. There is also myerstom.com where you find all the links to all the different pages and all the activities that I do. Because I am a multi-potentialite, neurodiverse, and I just, you know, I I can't put everything on one website. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's just not possible. So, um, but go to myerstom.com and then it sounds beautiful <laughs> and then uh, yeah you know find me there and link me on linkedin you know this is the best place for this kind of conversations as well perfect well i'll make sure i include those in the show notes tom thank you for coming on i really appreciate the time today thank and you I hope you have a great rest of your day thank you <laughs> thank you again for listening to changing the channel with joe garner If you enjoyed the show, please follow the podcast, hit the bell to know when a new show comes out, share with a friend, and rate us on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It helps get these messages out to more people to create the collective shift in reality we are here to experience. Make sure you interact with the Q&A and poll sections of the show so I can continue to provide content you enjoy. Finally, check out my website in the show notes to become a VIP of Changing the Channel and join the shift that is happening.